All right, let's see. I came into the maze on the northwest, so the centre should be... Whose idea was it to have one of these again? Greetings, Mr. Potter. I must now present you with a riddle. Answer correctly, I allow you to pass. Answer incorrectly, I attack. Oh, God. I'm pants at riddles. Might as well give it a try. Uh, What is it? How is it possible for someone to sit comfortably at home and dance the night away at the same time? Uh, well, that, that doesn't really make any... Wait a second. It's the Halloween ball on the Potter Pickwickly Forum. Correct, Mr. Potter. You may pass. That's right, everyone. For those of you who may be listening to this just on your podcast feed, you might not know that starting right now, Thursday, October 31st, on through Sunday, November 3rd, the Potterfic Weekly Forum is holding a Halloween ball. There'll be role-play, dancing, wizard rock music to listen to, a thread for you to share your favorite Halloween food, and yes, there's even a maze. Any activity you choose to do during the ball will earn you candy corn, a.k.a. spending points. Come by on Saturday evening, North American time and participate in the auctions for great prizes like an early peek at an unedited podcast, having an author write a drabble just for you, a short reading recorded by me, and more. Even if you're not the auction type, you could still stop by the rest of the ball and have some fun. That's October 31st through November 2nd at potterfictforum.com. Do you know how to yeah. trap a cat? What about the cat? Uh, do you know how to trap a cat? You put a box out um, and wait for them to get in it. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of people. <laughs> Very clever. Yeah, we we're um at six. We're at fourteen degrees right now. <laughs> well, okay, Jenny, this story is for you. Uh, yeah, lady that I pet sit for. Her son is a basketball player on the Bendigo team in Australia. Oh yeah, and um, they're here right now. They came over for Christmas, and then their son has come over from Australia to go to school here. So they decided oh, to go see oh. one of his baseball or basketball games. Apparently, it was negative twenty-two Celsius where they stopped. Oh wow, that's really really cold. <laughs> it was really really cold. <laughs> they were like, "Okay, oh, no. I'm ready to go home." <laughs> I imagine so. Oh well, it's really hot here at the moment. Yeah, they're it's been hot all over the country. Hard time, I think, yeah. going back to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's only thirty degrees Celsius here at the moment, which is um, eighty-eight Fahrenheit, but. It's been up to like a hundred. It's been up to a hundred in Fahrenheit here, and it's just been awful. Yeah. What about the fires? Are the fires still burning? The fires are still burning, but um, my uncle's house is okay. He was living. He lived in Tasmania, mm-hmm. and they were getting really close. But his house ended up being okay. But some other people weren't so lucky. Yeah. But it hasn't been as bad as the ones in Victoria a couple of years ago, where a few people died. But yeah, it's not awesome. No, fire's scary. It really is. Yeah. I uh, told a story on the Point of View cast earlier this week that somebody that I know got a phone call and they, you know, the fire department called to say, your house just burned down. You need to come home. Oh, no. So, 
it was kind of a bad, but she's got the most awesome attitude about the whole thing that she's just an inspiration. She said, well, it's the start of a new adventure and I'll just have to wait and see what, you know, what's coming. Something's, it's time for a change or something new's coming. So she's, she's got a really that's good, good attitude. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Like our insurance and everything. Yeah. Like our most of it. Yeah. It's supposed to get a um, negative, negative 10 checks by tomorrow okay. morning. Burr. Yeah. It was, it was 26 oh. today. <laughs> I think I might be warm. You are warm compared to us. Yeah, it's uh, minus 15 Celsius here, which is about 9 degrees or so for the Fahrenheit people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, now if we could just have some of Jenny's heat and she could have some of our cool, we'd all be happy. Yeah. Do you guys have snow? No. Um, we just got, I just got like a little, um, we had over two feet at one point and then it all melted away because we got 60 degrees and yeah, because, and, and now we got, we got about an inch. We might get like two later on. Okay. If it's negative 10 here, it's negative 23 Celsius. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. That's, that's pretty freezing. Yeah. Yeah. cold. <laughs> Yeah, we've got quite a bit of snow up here, and the last Thursday, Friday, everything it was quite warm, and everything melted, and there was solid ice. But then, while I was um, at work on Friday, there was a bunch of snow, and that continued through Saturday. So it's got a fair bit now. It's probably a can to anybody else. Yeah, he's in, he's something's weird. Yeah, that's it sounds, you like, hear my sounds like you're in a tunnel. You're kind of echoey. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I was thinking, well, his voice sounds very different but it wasn't it's awful <laughs> on my end no i mean it's not awful but it just doesn't he just doesn't sound as clear as he usually is he doesn't sound like scott hmm. no um let's see. is that any better go back <laughs> it went that was kind of cool you don't know as good as my little three bars without making any noise at all, Scott. Oh wow! Yeah, go back. Undo whatever you just did. Yeah. I was gonna say, can you hear my computer breathe? much better. It is better. What happened was my Skype had apparently decided randomly to use my USB camera as the mic, and it was currently off at the back of my desk, buried by stuff. Uh-huh. Now it is sitting. These things happen. Well, you can it now. Yes. Uh, Very much. Anybody else have anything to share before we start this, or are we ready to give it a start? Um... Play starts on Friday. Uh, That's cool. Mm-hmm. Hockey started back up again. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> Lots of tweets about the Kings doing bad things. I don't know what, but people aren't happy. So. <laughs> Can someone send me the link? Yes. Please. Sorry, I forgot to say Uh Scott, my cousin does plays, and she is getting ready to do the producers, which Ooh. I think would be really fun. George Schlein. I've never actually seen that. I'm not sure what it is about. Oh, well, it's pretty good, and it's um, Matthew Broderick and uh, Nathan Lane are in the latest version. All we have to do is find the worst play ever written. (laughs) What is it? You found the flop? Touch it. Kiss it. Kiss it. 
It's the mother load. Springtime for Hitler. <laughs> My play? We want to put it on Broadway. And they're just, they're producers, and it's just them. It's a Mel Brooks. Different, yeah. It's pretty funny. It's summertime in Deutschland. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's something about pigeons. And, and then one of them is a bunch of old people on walkers, which always makes me think of Ryan. You know, because Dumbledore's always in a walker with his tennis balls. Because he's looking older than he's ever been before. He's getting more and more decrepit. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, Jenny's listened to our podcast before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I always listen. Oh. <laughs> we got off uh, POV Weekly last week. We turned off the live feed, and we were talking a little bit more. And Ryan said something about, well, at least I wasn't we golfing. And I cracked up, and nobody else knew what he was talking about. So I just finished that edit. It'll be ready. But we have one in between, and I don't know where Robert is on it. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Trisha, how's Ulrich? Do we we want to start, or are we going to wait for him to go to bed? Ulrich, we're going to go to bed. Not what? Give me two minutes. I'm going to go yell at him. Okay. All right. I love it when she leaves to go yell at her son. It's always a good, good time. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of home alone because my parents are at work at the moment. Oh, my little brother is here, but he's plugged into his own computer, so I should be undisturbed. Okay. We're, you know, pretty easygoing. So, like, if the phone rings, we just have to stop and let it go because if I <laughs> my end, it still gets picked up by the recording, so it doesn't do any good. Oh, no. And uh, Mom will be in her chair, so getting to the phone, is always that always takes a little bit of time. Oh, hang on. I can see my cat has got a lizard. I'm going to go take it off her. <laughs> Wildlife times. But cats always have to participate in the podcast. That's just mm-hmm. how it works. It is how we work. We roll with the pets. So it's really interesting. I'm editing 159 shifts, which is the second to last one. And Cat truncated it for me and said it to me, and I did the edit, and Death Roll drops off mid-sentence, and that's the end of the recording. And I'm like, this can't be right. So I found the original, and I recorded from about where he was when he dropped off to the end, and I just, when the numbers went to zero, I stopped it, and I listened to it, and we drop off abruptly again, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I listened to it in iTunes, and the countdown numbers go to zero, but we keep talking another three minutes. Interesting. <laughs> I know. I've never seen it do that. And it did it like three different times because I kept fiddling with it to try to figure it out. But I did yeah. finally get us saying goodbye into the end of the podcast. So that worked. Hey, sorry. That's okay. Pets are an important part of our lives. We're, we're allowed to go get lizards from them, especially when they bring yeah. them to the house. 
Yeah, she she keeps like my door's open and I see her. She just like walks past me and she had this thing dangling out of her mouth. I'm like, that's another lizard, isn't it? <laughs> it was still alive, so I put it outside again. But she seems very upset with me. I bet you took her treasure. <laughs> that was my toy. Yep. But I put like five bells on her collar now, so I figure if they get caught, they're in fault. Yeah. We have a neighbor that's got cats, and they have almost cowbells on them. They're huge. Oh. And we're like, why do you put such big bells on these poor cats? And he's like, ah, because she feeds the birds, and we're trying to save the birds. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That's, that's rough. When the cat's got a bell on it so big that he can barely walk, that's just not fair. <laughs> Uh, no, they're just like little bells, but mm-hmm. they cover her whole collar, so she can't. Because we figured out she'd been like, she tucks them under, the bells under her chin and walks with her chin down, so they don't make a sound while she's hunting. Aren't so you? now we have them uh, all around. Like, no. They're amazing. Yeah, so she can't. Uh, you know, people say, oh, animals aren't smart, or animals don't have feelings, and then they do something like that. <clears throat> I actually have a story while we're waiting for Trisha. My mom saw this. I'm show. here. Okay, well, you're going to hear my story. Hey. <laughs> She's going on anyway. There's so a, there was a man, he's a zookeeper uh, He was a, in, when he was younger. And he was up in his office. He was like the head guy. And he was up in his office. And his people came running in. And they're like, the orangutans are out. The orangutans are out. They're in the trees over the elephants. We have to go get them. So he goes out. He said, you know, I was dumb, young and dumb. I didn't know any better. So I just climb up the tree and take them by the hand and lead them down and put them back in their enclosure. Which, you know, is pretty gutsy because... Up in a tree, they could do some damage to him. Oh, yeah, totally. So he'd bring them down, and he'd take them into the, the enclosure, and he's, they found an access door in the moat open. And he told his people, you oh. have to be really careful. You can't leave this open. They can get in here. And it was like for electricity and stuff, but it went all the way through and, and it led out into the main zoo. And they said, okay, okay. So a week later, they're out again, and they're up in these trees. And he goes in, he drags them all back down, and the door's open, and he gets gets mad at his people and he says i told you you have to leave this closed you have to make sure it's locked and they said no we did we did we don't know what happened maybe there's a malfunction in the locking system or something it's like all right well make sure you lock it so a week later they're out again <laughs> and he's like this is ridiculous well a few days later one of the guys ran in he goes come here come here you got to see this and he took them and they could see into the enclosure but the animals couldn't see them and the big male was fiddling with the door, and he opened the door. And so they went and stopped oh. him, and they said, how in the world is he doing this? He must be using sticks or something. So that he told his people, before you let him out in the enclosure, you have to make sure there are no sticks anywhere. Okay, okay. So a week later, they're out again. And he's like, what in the world is happening? So finally, one day, he was in the enclosure, and out of the corner of his eye, he saw a glint of metal. And this big male orangutan had found a piece of metal. He fashioned a key out of it that he could use to unlock the door. And then he molded it around his gums underneath his bot- by his bottom teeth and kept it inside of his mouth. He only used it when there was nobody around to see him. And oh, my so, gosh. And that's how they were getting out so they could go play in the trees. Wow. Is that amazing? Good night. It's just crazy. So, yeah, the poor reggae thing, he got his key taken away. It was very sad. <laughs> but, yeah. Aww, he's, he's a good, smart reggae thing. But, I don't know. Smarter than some people, probably. <laughs> Sometimes. Smarter than a petunia here in our story. Oh, nice segue. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, we're going to take that and run with it. Um, Jenny, you're going to introduce yourself last. Okay. For October 31st, this is episode 175 of Potterfit Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. And happy Halloween, everyone. Previously on Potterfit Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Potterfic weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic whatever. Oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? Yep. Okay, what did I miss? Am Thanks, I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. You are. Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my Hufflepuffs. No, she's the poster child for our podcast. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. (laughs) I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants. Not Ah. trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. (laughs) But I was planning on getting grammar anytime soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. Okay. I love Snake. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we always laugh before the end. I think we please where the story lands. Welcome to the special one. Yeah, you're special. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Potter Fake Weekly. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. I'm Trisha. And I'm Jenny. Yay! (laughs) And today (laughs) you're what, Trisha? I'm laughing with her, not at her. Oh, sure. You're always laughing with somebody. I know you. I'm laughing at my own. I laugh at my own jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody's uh, got her. I need to send you a link, Trisha. As soon as I get it finished and up, I'll send it to you. The Tiger Bomb uh-huh. episode is coming out. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. It, it will be released uh, I'm Friday. I am with that applesauce out my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Trisha had an experience with Tiger Bomb uh, ointment yeah. last year, and the episode that she shares her very Jen-like story is coming out this Friday. I had a oh, very Jen-like day that day. <laughs> you actually literally say something exactly like Jen would say it. I can't remember what it was, but you do. And Scott and I break death roll several times during this episode by implying <laughs> that uh, Umbridge is Animagus form is a toad, and then Scott said, well, maybe she'll get together with Trevor. And Oh, no! Why? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think I even had... I think I joined later because I, I think I joined twice. I think once when I was on the road and told the uh-huh. Tiger Bomb story, and I, then I joined you later when I got home. Yes. I think I even broke that roll at that point in time. <laughs> we broke him three times during the podcast. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know. Poor guy. He didn't know what to do with uh, Poor Trevor. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
This is good. We start the podcast and go off topic immediately. But uh, my nephew is here. We're covering. (laughs) You can do that. I won't tell my nephew's story. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear it now. He said, he said, can you find Harry Potter fan fiction about everything? And I said, pretty much. Why? What are you looking for? And he said, so is there fan fiction about Trevor the Toad? And I said, sure. So I went to uh, fanfiction.net and I typed in Trevor the Toad. And the first hit was Voldemort Tre- uh, Trevor Slash. And I was like, don't this is oh, oh one for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I did find a couple that were just about Trevor exploring the castle. I said, look, here's some. And he's like, I don't want to read it. I just wondered if you could find it. Said, All right. But, <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if, if Trevor's worse off with Voldy or Umbridge. I don't know. They're both well, pretty in, terrible. Yeah. In the musical world, they're played by the same person, so, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very um, true. Okay, Scott, take us away. We're way on course. Okay, this podcast is our second on My Nephew Harry by Lucilia, and we're planning to cover chapters 6 through 10. So we start off with Chapter 6, The Not-So-Evil Dumbledore, which I enjoyed greatly, not having an evil Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I love that everything's just because it's a filing error. That's it. Nothing malicious. It's just a filing error. I just know. like government. Yep. I yep. felt bad for Minnie, though, because she was just like... Yeah. She's like, I mean, it's somewhere. <laughs> and like Dumbledore's waiting for her to tell him if anything goes wrong. He's just like, why is he doing this to poor Harry? Terrible. Yeah. She must know. He, he must be, you know, glancing at the reports at the very least. And poor uh, Fig, she's like increasingly frantic about you need to do something, and she's being totally ignored. Mm-hmm. It's almost comical how, like, it's just everything goes wrong. A miscommunication error is what I think it's called in the fic. Mm-hmm. It's like the, it's like the yeah. snowball effect. It's just like one thing leads to another. It's just the breaking down of the system. And it's shark. It's way off to no end. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of look at this, and I, I see this as, as I think of, of McGonagall as I fear. I, I would think of her as going, "Oh hell no, I'm going to go get him myself. Hell, come to hell or yeah. kind of thing." Yeah. I mean, this is I that's think who I it, think of. Yeah, I think if McGonagall had actually been reading those reports, she she would have kicked up a fuss. She wouldn't just sit there and be like, I'm sure Albus has a plan. Like, she'd actually say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'd march up into his office and she'd give him what for and she'd say, you need to go get him. She wouldn't yeah. be this namby-pamby little, oh, well, he must yeah. have a plan. I just don't know what it is. Uh, she'd yeah. give him a piece of his mind, of her mind. Yes. McGonagall is a woman. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, she'd give him a piece of her mind. Yeah. Tell him off. Well, that's, that's what yeah, he was but, expecting uh, because she already the did when they talked him off. Yeah. Yeah, she did. They're awful muggles. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Lucilia makes a good point here, though, because we know from him signing letters, and I think it shows up a few other places, that, you know, Albus Dumbledore is headmaster of Hogwarts and head of the Wizengabas and the supreme mugwump of the International Confederation of Wizards and all of this stuff, because he's such a wonderful, great guy, but he's, this also means he's terribly overworked. Mm-hmm. He has to run a school yeah. and then also meet with the legislative body of the entire wizarding world every now 
and then, and there's always the Board of Governors coming up with ridiculous and not-so-ridiculous requests, and uh, yeah, so he decides, okay, Minerva was uh, obviously paying attention to how the Muggles were treating their son, uh, I'll just send her the reports on Harry, and if there's anything wrong, then she'll come up and let me know, and uh, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I think is interesting is that in the uh, shifts that's coming out this week, Deathrell wants to know, what exactly does Dumbledore do with his time all day? And I said, well, you know, running a school takes a lot of work, and, and here's all this other stuff that he's doing on top of that. So I can see that he's busy. I mean, I'm with mm-hmm. the kids, what, three hours, three and a half hours a day? And I'm incredibly busy whenever I'm there, so I can understand if you're there 24 hours a day and the kids live there, that it's going to be a lot of responsibility and a lot of stuff that's going on. Yeah. You know, he's got to take reports from all the portraits he's got watching the school, because you know that's how he knows what's going on. He knows everything, yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, people have just got used to um, Dumbledore being so great at everything that they keep giving him more stuff to do, and eventually that's going to um, backfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, usually when you have a lot of stuff to do, delegating is an okay alternative, but in this case, maybe not so much. Well, I think delegating was an okay alternative, but it just needed to come with more instructions. Let me know if there's a problem. <laughs> well, I mean, it, in, in not hindsight, but the thing is, even in the in the regular story, you can even tell that. I mean, he doesn't talk to. Sometimes he needs to counsel some people because, I mean, who would have thought? I mean, you put your mind to teach trying to oh, sorry, trying to, to trying to teach Harry to empty his mind. You make Snake do it. I'm sorry. You should have counseled on something. You should have counseled someone on that and went, uh, hello, he hates them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of thing. Boy, did that cut out totally wrong, but well, okay I, in my I head. I think he was kind of sort of off topic of the story. I think he was hoping that Snape and Harry would form some sort of friendship bond and that just didn't happen mm-hmm. even a little bit. Yeah, he uh, wanted it to happen, but it wasn't gonna. No. You know, that's a whole, that's a whole nother Flash fanfic I can see going on there. <laughs> Harry, Harry, Harry and Snape forming a bond through just a friendship bond. He wasn't doing it like that. Shame no, on you. No, no. No, I just see someone twisting that. I just, I just saw someone twisting it in my head. Mm-hmm. Didn't we do a podcast about how unlikely Harry Snape is? Yes, yes, we did. The, well, this is how they become, they can become soulmates, activate kind of thing. Super yeah. soulmates activate. Yeah. Snape and Harry. Okay. Character one says, I love you so and so. And character two says, I love you too. And their super soulmate powers activate. Yeah. Uh, I can actually see that as being funny as a humor fic. Mm-hmm. Where one of those ones where the characters are a little bit more aware of themselves in a story sort of thing. And so some weird thing happens or other during whether it's occlumency lessons or whatever. And they, Snape and Harry wind up with these weird powers. And Harry's like, man, I thought that was going to happen with Ginny. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> certainly can, so you put okay. it out there and we'll do it. Okay, I want that done. <laughs> well, I'm, I spent part of this weekend pet-sitting, and 
I didn't have a lot to do while I was editing, but I was watching Holy Musical Batman, and it makes me think of the scene where uh, Batman and Robin first meet, and they're, you know, they're kind of getting to know each other, kind of a thing. And, you know, it's the very Potter musical people, so you know they're going to be silly and weird and stuff like that, and that's what I have in mind, is Harry and Snape as those two singing the Buddy Buddy song, and it's just wrong. We're like long lost brothers who found each other And love each other like family Though we're not related And it's totally belated I'm elated just to say you are my bro Me amigo And where I go Is where we go I tell you wrong. I swatted so many levels, but it's so right. (laughs) (laughs) I guess two wrongs really don't make a right, huh? No, not so much here. Not so much. We're way on course. So what we find out is that if the Dursleys hadn't had an accident where Harry had to go live with Marge, and Kingsley Shacklebolt hadn't been the one to take the report about abuse, then this abuse would have continued for several more years, and Dumbledore was going to be completely oblivious to it, unless Minnie finally shook herself out of her stupor and said, Hey, look, we've got to do something here. Fix me. Maybe someone gave her a significant glance and she kept on forgetting what she was supposed to do. <laughs> Maybe. You never know. Trisha, you're yeah. having really interesting audio stuff going on. It, it's only when you talk. Okay. And it just makes this really funny sound. I have no idea what it is, but I'm just... What kind of sound is it? It's like... Underneath everything. Oh, it's my furnace is on. Do you hear it? Yeah. Yeah, that's my furnace. My furnace is on too, but I don't. Mine is really freaking loud. Okay, okay, it's not a big deal. I just think it's funny because when you don't talk, we don't hear it, but all of a sudden it comes, it comes in. So it's just it comes in. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, please don't make me turn off the furnace. <laughs> it's no, degrees no. here. <laughs> I don't want you to oh, freeze to death. Are you kidding? I'm sitting here with a blanket over my feet because there's no insulation underneath me and my feet are frozen. I won't make you turn off the heater. Okay, thank you. I have a child. <laughs> and a cat. Um, she's a little, she's a, she's a, mm, that's true. She'd get her to sit on she, you and you'd stay warm. Oh, yeah. Well, no, she, we call it sleeping gas. When she sleep, she lays on you and she starts to purr. She gets you really nice and warm and you just, she pass out. So we always say, I should do that. She gives you. I'm like, Lori, I'm like, I tell my son, I'm like, Lori laid on me. He goes, you feel a flip, did you? I go, yeah. And she goes, she gave me sleeping gas again. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. In that case, you can't have the cat. No sleeping on the podcast. Why? Well, I mean, I have before. I know you have before. <laughs> I just don't snore. <laughs> oh. Always a good thing. Oh, my God. Somebody fell asleep. I can hear somebody snoring. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, are you there? <laughs> Somebody make a note. <laughs> Is Aaron really asleep? Before him now. He's snoring. <laughs> yeah, Harry's on a So, 
I like the description in here about, um, well, it's, it's very brief, but it sort of makes you imagine things. It says, Kingsley came to report to Dumbledore, and Dumbledore went through the roof, which is not something you generally see Dumbledore do. Um, so I'm sort of imagining this whole... But you know what? He shouldn't go, th- he should go through the roof. And, you know, things do start to change, but it is a great visual because I can, like, see him with steam coming out of his feet and him flying around his office and, you know. <laughs> I don't think she meant quite that way. <laughs> like the sword in the stone thing, Merlin blowing, blowing himself to Bermuda. Uh-huh. Oh, I was thinking of the cover gap, the cover up potion kind of thing. <laughs> That it comes out his ears. <laughs> yeah. That'll work too. Jenny, did you want to say something? Yeah, it says here that Dumbledore was then determined to make it up to the child for his mistake and shoved all his other business aside. And I imagine, like, whatever he does for the mugwomp people, like, maybe they're, like, planning to build roads and Dumbledore completely ignores it. Now all the roads in Wizarding Britain are terrible. I'm very worried for the road system. <laughs> they're going to be full of potholes. <laughs> and hey, it's welcome all to Harry Pennsylvania. Yeah, welcome to Pennsylvania. We have potholes. Yeah. Well, poor Harry. I'm imagining that in the Daily Prophet. Boy who lived responsible for terrible road work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Harry can feel guilty about that, too, because, you know, he doesn't have enough of a guilt complex going on. Nah, never. Um, Although at this point Harry's eight and isn't paying attention to the Daily Prophet, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's and it's good that um, Dumbledore like shoves everything aside and concentrates only on Harry, and and it's a good thing that nobody else really knows what's going on because not only would they be fighting over Harry, but then he'd be in trouble with the school of the school governors and the Wizengamot and everything else because he's not paying any attention to anything that he's supposed to be paying attention to. Yeah. Sorry. Like, I'm imagining he's planning, like, you know, the syllabus for the next year of education. And he's like, fine, do whatever you want. But it comes to Drano to Harry. And yeah. just learning. Good thing you know, Lockhart's not in there. <laughs> I was thinking of Ben. That'd be a disaster. Ben's just going to have the whole school. <laughs> just Ben teaching every fun. class. Yeah. yeah. I'd read that, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. 73 reports on Goblin rebellions through the course of a year. All the seventh years, like, fail all of their newts, and it's all Harry's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Harry. He's just going to get a complex from this. This is terrible. All I'm saying is maybe Dumbledore should take on less responsibilities. You know, pace himself. Yes. Well, you know, he's getting older. He's going to need those walkers with tennis balls soon, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, how many trips did we get out of this? <laughs> I don't know. At least three, I think. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> really absurd one, too. Yeah. Well, we'll see how many we can get. We move on to Chapter 7, which is called Fubster Joins the Game. And this is where we learn a little bit more about Colonel Fubster's background. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's not just an old army buddy of uh, William Dursley. He's also a squib. Yeah. He knows a little more that's going on than everybody else does. 
I have in my notes that it's a squib conspiracy because, you know, it's mm-hmm. Arabella, it's Filch for some reason, and Subbuster. They're all getting in on it. The squibs are going to take over the world. They are. They're going to take over the school. <laughs> yeah. And at the very end of this chapter, we find out why Filch and, and uh, Arabella are um, getting in on it sort of together. So. Yeah, yeah, that kind of, that kind of, okay, that's, this is some of the parts where I'm just like, what the hell just happened going on here? Kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know, I've seen them as brother and sister somewhere else before. Yeah, I was confused about whether or not it was Fanon or Canon, because I've seen this more than once where Arabella and Filch are brother and sister, or related in some way. Yeah, I don't think it's Canon. I think it's Fanon, but I have seen it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we learn anything about their families really in canon. Mm-hmm. No, they're not really mentioned that often because yeah. Harry doesn't notice anything. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. So he, Colonel, the Colonel is uh, listening to Marge as she tells him all about what's going on and how that gang Petunia has framed her brother and made him look bad. Uh-huh. And so he, you know, and, and Vernon's not uh, innocent in all of this. He, he has Harry, and he has yelled at him, and he's given him chores and things like that, but he's not... Uh, he's a mate guilty party, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mostly Petunia's doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he has some, yeah, some part in it, so the thing is, yeah, so the thing is, he was poisoned with the apple, too, eventually. Yeah. Well, and I like the part where, she, you know, she says... He assumes that Petunia is slipping the boy food like his father slipped him food. And, his mother. Or his mother slipped him food when he got in trouble. And he's, you know, he's taking some stuff sort of on faith that's not happening the way that he thinks it's happening. And that doesn't excuse him, but it does kind of give you a reason to kind of lean more his way than mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I guess for, like, March of all people to seem okay, you've got to make the Dursley side of the family look better than Petunia. Mm-hmm. Like, it, help, it helps us be more sympathetic to Marge if we can truly hate Petunia, I think. Right. And that's, I guess, part of the reason it's all Petunia's fault. That I mean, Vernon obviously did bad stuff too, but it's all saying that Petunia poisoned him or whatever. And I don't totally believe that, but I don't know. It's an interesting view I mean, to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, yeah, I mean... You're inherently bad, but the thing is also, too, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's always hated her sister or something like that. Um, well, you're in any kind of relationship, if you really love someone and you hear the, you hear what has happened to them, even though you don't, you don't hear the whole story, you kind of, you, you kind of do just go with what the person that you love say in so many aspects. Mm-hmm. That's true. And until until you until you can learn the truth. Yeah. And the whole story is coming to us from Marge's point of view. So of course she's going to see Vernon in the best possible light. Right. Yeah, because she loves her brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She does. And then we have uh, you know Dudley, who's who Petunia is trained to get Harry in trouble and sabotages him. And probably she didn't know that he was eating Harry's lunch every day. So the one meal that she thinks he's getting, he's not getting because Dudley's sneaking in there and eating it on their you know before they head off to school. This poor kid. I want to know. 
I want to know how Harry's still alive. Like, yeah. he seems to be going through a lot of starvation. I want to know how he's still living. Like, where's mm-hmm. he getting his nutrients from? Well, he was stealing I think the idea is he's kind of running on magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's still, I don't think magic's going to kill. I mean, I don't think magic's going to, you can't transfigure something out of, out of air either. No. No, but he would steal food whenever he could, whenever he was cooking. I think he got a little bit of food each day, here and there. And I think what Scott's saying is, and then he was, like, drawing on his magical core that kind of kept him alive, too. So he wasn't transfiguring anything, but just the innate magic inside of himself was kind of, you know, being used or drained or however you want to say it, so that he was able to stay alive that way, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another source of energy, basically. Mm-hmm. And I love it when Dudley is the one that they, you know, they've ruined him. He's he's this spoiled, rotten little brat, and he hasn't learned the value of hard work, and he hasn't learned the value of a pound because he just breaks everything he gets because he knows he's going to get more, and he doesn't work for it, and all of that. And you know, I I like to see that because a lot of times we don't, or. I guess it's we see it, but it's nice when the characters in the story see it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially as large as a third party. Yeah, she's got the very sort of ultra-conservative worldview, and it, it fits in very well. With the, you know, the thing, best things in life are you, know, you do your hard work and you make your money, and you, uh, that's how you, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how she, she and Vernon have been raised, and so yeah. she expects that sort of thing from Dudley and Harry as well. Yeah. yeah, Marge is sort of this very military-raised woman, which I find is an interesting interpretation. I kind of like this Marge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I can you know see... what? I have a... Yeah. Yeah, that's, more, that's pretty much how I feel. I'm picturing her. Yeah. 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 What was that about the cat, Trisha? I got kitty crazies. You have the kitty crazies? Uh-oh, that's never good. Not me, mm-hmm. but the cat has the kitty crazies. <laughs> you should have seen poor Bonnie. She got her bandage off today, so she's... You know, they've shaved her hip, down her leg, no. and she licked her bandage off her of her stitches last night, but they were still, Aww. the wound was good. And we took her in and they cut off the bandage today. It's the first time she's seen her foot in over a week. And she chewed and chewed and chewed on her foot till she finally cried. And I'm sure it was just because it was all wrapped up really tight and it was finally, they finally kind of let it loose. And, oh, I can see, you know, I've had that where you just... Some part of your body just itches so bad and you scratch it until you bleed. That's exactly what she was doing tonight. Poor thing. Aww. Poor kitty. Yeah, dog. Oh, yeah. oh, dog. She passed dog. out. <laughs> she passed out cold right before I came over here tonight. We have the police at Privet Drive ex- inspecting the home, and the neighbors who don't like Petunia are very gleeful in telling them all everything that they've seen and heard. And mm-hmm. the police find. Go ahead. But unfortunately for Marge, most of the stuff that they've heard sort of outside of the place is uh, all pointing to Vernon because he's the loud one. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. We get a little aside from Hubster who's thinking, I knew he should have married that Wilkerson girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm I like it, though, that Vernon, the only toys that Harry has are the the little army men, the broken set of uh, tin soldiers. 
that she, that Vernon had had when he was a child, and he never really understood why he gave them to Harry instead of Dudley, but he did, and, and he couldn't take them away once he'd given them to him. And yeah. I just I liked that. I thought that was really neat. That somewhere deep down, he knew that Harry would take care of these special toys that were from his childhood, and Dudley would destroy and, them. Um, yeah. And, um, Colonel Fatbuster, he he thought the reason that Harry was so baggy whenever he stole them was because Vernon was having money troubles. He was too proud to admit it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really make sense because Dudley would have been all fine and stuff. So I think he, if that's true, he would have been able to piece two and two together if he realized one boy was shabbily dressed and the other was fine. That's true. But he also has this idea that maybe they're, they're trying to disguise Harry so he doesn't get mobbed by all the wizards mm-hmm. whenever he leaves. Yeah, yeah, so because he, he never goes, in the he never goes to see them as sort of drives. Yeah, yeah, which I guess could work, but mm. <laughs> it's flimsy. It is. Yeah. So, and then we have poor Dumbledore who's trying to figure out what to do with Harry without sparking the custody war to end all custody wars. Because if this yeah. news gets out, everybody and their brother is going to want to adopt Harry and whoever's got the most money. And you just know that Lucius is going to end up with him. Mm-hmm. I've seen that pick, too. Grease the palms, yeah. So he's got And it even out. says. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It even says, like, the usual pi- paperwork is piling up, so, you know, the pothole problem, it's getting worse. It is. Dumbledore's not <laughs> it all, and he's, he's looking at the genealogical parts to figure out where he can put Harry. Meanwhile, the children aren't learning anything at his school. It's all terrible. <laughs> the the, the okay. wizarding buses are, you know, getting swallowed by potholes as they try to take the, the younger magical children the off to school. The night bus has a terrible crash. <laughs> there's, a little, okay. there's a little shrunken ass. Dumbledore can't everywhere. take it. You know what? But the thing is, I mean, isn't that some of the stuff what the, tri- the, not the prime minister, the minister of magic is supposed to do? He's supposed to take care of the potholes, not Dumbledore. <laughs> Oh, you're no yeah, there probably is a Ministry of Transportation or something. Yeah, it's probably. <laughs> it's probably Arthur's <laughs> job. Oh, <poor> yeah. <laughs> okay, the last paragraph on this. I'm just, it's just totally confused to me. Could someone explain? Or may, maybe I just did not get it because it just seemed like, oh, there's a fact. I'm like, oh, they're going to conspire and do something. But then during the story, it didn't seem like nothing came about it. Is that just me or did I just totally read something totally different? It just um, kind of vanishes into the background, but um, okay. you'll see You'll see in the next, um, is it the next chapter or yes. the one after um, that there's, yeah, it's from in chapter nine, after the interlude, um, you'll see the, the squib network has swung, swung into action and the, this one fellow's brother has written a new article and he's the typesetter of the data uh, prophet. Yeah. So okay, we okay. never, we never um, hear specifically I... from Filch again, but they've, you know, they've set things in motion. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was so confused. That was the only part. I'm like, but what does Filch do? It, I was, okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you. I didn't prepare to squid. Well, yeah, and I love this. The the squibs have this network that they have. You know, they may not be magical, but they're going to be mighty. (laughs) Yeah, they're well connected. They are. know what's going on. You 
I mean, you think that everybody, like, all their families wizardry, and there's a switch. Of course, there's got to be a support group. Yeah, they've got to have the support group. There's a support group. I like that. They go to weekly meetings. It's anonymous. <laughs> it's good yeah. anonymous. Yeah. It's anonymous, or SSM, or SSG, or something like that. <laughs> it's support group. There you go. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. <laughs> So we, we head on to the interlude where Vernon begins to think. And, and here we have poor Vernon. He's in the hospital. He's badly hurt. He has nothing to do. A nurse who's found out what he's done has unplugged his TV because she's ticked off at him for mistreating poor Harry. And so now he has nothing to do but think. And well, you know, that's sometimes that's the best damn torture you can do to someone. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Take away my iPod and I'd be lost. So I totally understand. And Marge has left him a whole bunch of books on psychokinesis. Mm-hmm. So. He's going to be trying to figure all this stuff out. So instead of being magic, Harry just, you know, he's got this this condition. He has extra brain, extra brain power. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me... A, a lot of people use this in sci-fi, where they say that we only use 10% of our brains and... That's, that's not really true. Humans do use every part of their brain, but we don't use it like a hundred percent of it at any one time. That's mm-hmm. a seizure, and you do. Um, so, like, you're, you depending what you're doing, you're using certain parts of your brain. And a lot of people, like, when they first realize, like, when they put you under MRIs, they're like, "Oh, well, you're only using this right now. We must only use ten percent of our brain." No, we just use them for different things. But mm-hmm. so that whole thing well, makes me mad sure. whenever I see it. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, anesthesia, you're on anesthesia, you're put in sleep, so part of your brain's gonna be part of sleep too. Right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's more like a computer than yeah. people think. Like, if you, if you ever yeah. had, uh, something that, a program that's frozen or whatever and you have to go to the task manager, there's this whole thing along the bottom usually, um, I'm sure it changes between what operating system people have and all of that, but it has a little, percentage about how much of the processing power of the computer is being used and you can go and find which processes are using you know this thing is using 60% and this thing is using 3% right now and all these things are using 0% because nothing's happening with them just at the moment but it shifts around as you go mm-hmm. so. yeah yeah but it is very mine. <laughs> yeah I mean, the whole reasoning that he uses that it's telekinesis instead, that, I think that fits in well with how the Dursleys see the world. And I kind of like that, but I don't like them saying it, uh, you only use 10% of your brain. Mm-hmm. That's my part in it. Yeah. They probably said that in the book, but yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been... It was written before everyone realized that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So he's been thinking, and he's like, okay, yeah, that's true. You know, he, I, I did notice now that I think about it that Harry used more of his, quote, magic when he was upset or stressed. And if I'd have known to keep him calm, then it wouldn't have been as bad. And if I hadn't had Petunia telling me, oh, this is wrong, this is bad, he's doing this and he's going to cause trouble, then maybe I wouldn't have thought it of, you know, being the way it was. So he's he's really being introspective here, and he's realizing that he's screwed up. Me screwed up big time, and he's going to have to pay for it. Yeah, and, and, you know, in yeah. some ways, I I I, pl- I applaud Vernon in this in this fix, only because I mean he's taking the responsibility, mm-hmm. and 
that, that's a lot of being not just a man, but a human. Being yeah. a responsible he's, he's, human. Yeah, he's accepted that he's messed up, and he's going to try and make it that up, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, some of the consequences already are that he's lost his job, and he's got a constable sitting outside of his off of his hospital room so that, you know, he doesn't try to escape and stuff like that. So he's... I love that uh, Vernon, near the end, starts making comparisons to Star Trek characters. Mm-hmm. Are you watching Star Trek? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he's experienced with these extrasensory powers and such, is watching sci-fi. So. <laughs> I love that Vernon watches Star Trek. It's brilliant. <laughs> it is pretty yeah. good. <laughs> so something you really expect from the Dursleys, but yeah, it works. And, you know, he's thinking to himself, if Harry actually decided to come back for revenge, he wouldn't blame him, and he would have probably done the same thing if this had happened to him as a child. So he's, you know, he's really kind of thinking about it and going, uh, I could have caused myself a lot worse trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just getting arrested and losing my job may not be as bad as, as it could have been. I could have been turned yeah. into a toad, you know. It's true. And Umbridge could have came and got him. Yeah, see. And had babies with him. Yeah. What it was all the, comes back to Umbridge. What was the one I read not too long ago where it was um, Neville's grand's husband was the toad? He was Trevor's. I read, oh, 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 yeah, I remember I've that. I've never one. read this. I don't remember. It what was awesome. It was a great fit. It was hysterical. He was transfigured into a toad. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he transfigured himself. I don't know if he was a mega, mega magus or whatever, but he was trying to get away from his grand or something. You know what? It might be the um, the next gen one that we're doing later this season. Okay. I'm not positive. Uh, that, 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 that might be it. That was. I do remember that. It was hysterical. Mm-hmm. I think it was something like he was trying to become an Andromedus and messed up, and then uh, Augusta has no idea where he went, and he's really just turned himself into a toad and can't turn back. No, um, she was mad at him, and she turned him into the toad, and then took him down to the pond and turned him loose in the pond, and then somebody else came by and caught him and gave him to Neville as a pet. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, so it can't be the next-gen one because it doesn't fit in with it, but it, it might be something we're doing. I don't know. I remember reading it, and I remember I loved it. Yeah, it's somewhere in the in the rec rec section of the forum because I read it too. So, mm-hmm. one of the other little interesting bits in this chapter is the the, the conclusion that Vernon kind of realizes all the stories he's been reading in these books about uh, children manifesting weird powers uh, seem to peter off around about 11 and he figures oh that's when all the crackpots are coming and indoctrinating them into thinking they're wizards mm-hmm. but it could work the other way too all the uh, mysterious phenomena that these people are reporting about to write books on is because of underage magic right yeah and once they learn how to control their magic then it stops happening Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we move on to chapter nine, which is Rita's surprise. And I always love it when uh, Rita gets a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, but we start and off. Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah. I start 
start off with Dumbledore, who's decided really the best thing to, that he can think of to do is just uh, let the boat go back to Marge. But the problem is going to be convincing her to take Dudley back when he's a, a puppy-kicking hooligan. And so uh, he's, got a, he's got some thoughts that way as well that show up a little later into the next chapter, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where the Squib Network comes back. Yes. It's uh, Ralph Davies, the typesetter, has had his brother write up another article about making Petunia the mean one instead of Vernon, and he just sort of switches it all out for Rita's next article and leaves the byline the same. And yeah. so Rita's having her normal breakfast gloat over her lovely words in print and then has to spit out her tea because it's not what she just wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can, I can just see her. She'd just be, she'd be vibrating with rage and her, you know, little sparkly glasses and everything. And she just, oh. And she starts reading it and eventually she's like, you know, this is actually pretty good. Maybe I just won't Yeah, I do a good job, man. <laughs> yeah. This is great. I love that Ralph Davies' brother wrote it in five minutes at his kitchen table and it's this wonderful article. I think he needs to go to the paper and get himself a job that's what i think i know yeah, he'd do a lot better job than yeah than rita so we uh find out that everybody's blaming vernon but maybe it's not vernon maybe if we investigate further it's petunia and yeah you know vernon can be heard calling him a freak and and everything but we find out from uh Severus Snape, age 28, that Lily Potter's sister used to call her that all the time, and hmm, maybe there's more to this story than we think. And why would Vernon call him a freak if he hadn't heard it from Petunia first? So, yeah. yeah. And so Rita is first quite pleased because here's a really nice article and it, everybody thinks she wrote it, but then all the owls start pouring in about how wonderful this article is and she's not getting nearly the usual amount of howlers and she's sort of going, oh man, <laughs> I didn't write it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, want to hear about Petunia? Fine. you got to wonder if somebody's actually thinking, hmm, this doesn't sound like Rita's work. Uh, I wonder what, <laughs> is she feeling okay? Yeah. You would think someone would notice, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she she sort what of makes up her mind. <laughs> yeah. She sort of makes up her mind to dig a little deeper, and that's good. She's got a she's got a corpus to back now instead of just making up gossip, mm-hmm. which is good for Rita. Yeah. Sometimes when you have something that uh, actually... a certain amount of a journalist, she's going to do her proper research because all that whoever wrote this had was uh, a couple of minutes looking into things in a quote. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she's going to see what a little more digging can bring up. Yeah, yeah. she's going to go attic diving. Ooh. <laughs> like dumpster diving, only more exciting. Yeah. A little less well, thinking. maybe this article will change other people's minds around and Vernon can have a job again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to know. So, no, no, the no, damage might be a little stuff. bit done. <laughs> oh, I just heard a phone. Yeah. Yeah, it was my charge. That's all right. <laughs> So I, yeah, I wonder if Ralph's friend sent the article to the Muckle Papers, too, or not. I guess it's not really written for that. No. Yeah. I mean, but still, it would be an, it would be an uh, interesting... I don't know how you explain it. 
So I guess Vernon's not really going to get a job out of it. Oh, oh well. No. Oh, well. He's still an auto, so I don't really care. Mm-hmm. He can dig a ditch. There you go. He hmm. could be a ditch digger. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sounds fun. Or maybe he could be a builder and he could use those drills that he's been selling. <laughs> and they're all about stuff. <laughs> Maybe he can go into the witness protection program and, and become someone else. Nah, that's too good for him. Oh, yeah. So we, we move on to Chapter 10, Dudley, Puppies, and Attic Diving. And we start off with Hagrid, and I just love this. Dumbledore <laughs> has sent Hagrid a letter saying that in addition to his normal duties, he needs to tame a creature that most of the experts who have examined it thinks is untamable. And, but, <laughs> You know, he's done a lot of this stuff, and he seems to have a magic touch. Uh, and then we find out... Sometimes the creature is a girl boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the <Okay>. way. <laughs> oh, okay, I just uh, have to say... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was say, Scott, don't hate me. But they say, sometimes to train a guy, you treat him like a dog. You give him rewards when he does something good. You smack him in the nose when he does something bad. And they're trainable. So, oh, yeah. I, I'm not sure that's that trainable. Sure. I, I just want to point something else from this article. It says, Hagrid didn't have any other children, didn't have any children of his own that he knew of. And I'm just like, Hagrid has children that he doesn't know of? What is he, Casanova? I'm pretty sure Hagrid doesn't have any children full stop. Hey, well, you know, don't he forget could... Madam whatever her name was. <laughs> well, they haven't met yet. That's true. They, they haven't met yet that well, we know of. Well, um, no. there's, uh, there's some, there could be rumors because of his sign. Oh, God. Why? Okay. It's time to get out the brain bleach. The Trevor and, and Umbridge so. didn't do it for me, but this one's going <laughs> to... Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just broke Jen and Sue. How about you, Scott? Did I break you, too? <laughs> oh. Well done. Oh, oh my dear, gosh. Dear, dear. <laughs> Scott's not even talking to us anymore, so, you know, that's it. He's like, oh. <laughs> Maybe there's um, withering, I don't know, have a magical version of um, artificial fertilization or something. <laughs> There you go. I'll play. I'll play. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> Maybe an un- unnaturally large first year will come to Hogwarts and he'll just know that it's his. It's his. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's been, uh, he, he was a little short of cash, so he needed to go donate some sperm. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, now we broke Trisha, so we're all the way around. That's good. That's all good. <laughs> I'm sure I'm enough of a farmer that, that Scott's talking about this and, and I can see the vet with his with his arm and the glove up to his shoulder and his hand and yeah, oh, it's no. just a very bad visual all the way around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, oh my gosh. Why don't we return to Margin Harry? Can we please stop talking about Hagrid's sex life? Can we please stop? We're already holding our breath. Dragus, 
Oh, Marge, just quick. I'm so good at nightmares. <laughs> I love that the puppies have missed Harry. Oh, no, I can't breathe. <laughs> oh, no. Give her a moment. Oh, dear. Um, okay. Deep breath. Deep breath. You're going to have to get a paper bag to breathe into in a minute. Oh, okay. I'm good now. Thank you. Okay. No more of it. Okay. So Harry has come back to Marge's place, and she's quite happy about it. Mm-hmm. She's not so sure about these other fellows who have come around to check on him. Uh, there's one who's come to be his tutor and scares all the dogs, and they don't even growl at him or anything. So he, she's not so sure about him, but he is handy and willing to do all the repairs that she doesn't like doing. So that, that's, a, that's a plus. That is a plus. I, Remus can come and work at my house anytime he wants. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that... So I want to know how Snape and Remus are getting along, helping Harry. That'd be interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it, doesn't it say that they don't really like each other, but they kind of are working together and, yeah. and Snape's yeah. doing it kind of grudgingly? But he's, yeah. because of Lily, he's willing to kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is another part of this fic that, um, well, there's been several of them that I would really like to see expanded into an actual story. Mm-hmm. This, this mm-hmm. whole thing yeah. is very much like a, a narration or an outline of uh, a story that could easily take um, three times the length of chapters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's just like, it kinda, this, this, this story is kind of like a tease. Right. It it like, because there's so many ways, I mean, as we can say, I mean, that one chapter, we had like five different storylines that we can go off of it. So you, you yeah. can't. It, it, this thing could be like a full-fledged, sorry, um, a full-fledged novel if, if it really wanted to. Someone wanted to, if she really wanted, or he, I don't know who, or she wanted to expand it, they can very yeah, mm-hmm. I would love to have like 20 more chapters just to this story, expanding every plot point. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I was excited mm-hmm. because it says that there's a, you know, it continues in a second story, and I was like, okay, great. So I went to read the second and story, it's, and it's two chapters, and it stops, so it didn't work. Aw, uh, yeah. Uh, so here yeah, I well. like, I'm like, Harry's back at Marge's, and he's helping out in the kennels and playing with the puppies. And I think that's really good for Harry, because there's nothing, well, there is, but one thing that really helps someone that's been damaged is just the love and affection of a dog, or any pet. But oh, yeah, um, of an animal, and just taking care of something. And they have control over something, and they're taking care of it, and they're nurturing it. And, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And he's helping her and out because yeah, he's, he's socializing the puppies, and so more people want them now because they're socialized. And she just mm-hmm. never had time to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, with Rita Skeeter... <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is when I wanted to punch Dumbledore again. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so she the house is guarded by magical means, but only if you mean harm. And she doesn't mean harm. She's just being snoopy. So yeah. she's mm-hmm. been able to get and in. And she's picked the lock, so she wasn't using magic in, to break in. Yeah, because and she's been training with with the, nebby. with the what? In Pittsburgh, we call, we call that being nebby. Nebby? <laughs> nebby. Mm. Okay. Instead and, of nosy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nebby. 
And um, but apparently Dumbledore does have better wards than she thought he did. So uh, his little silver instrument thingy starts flashing, and he goes over to check it out, and he figures out that oh, there's Rita going through stuff in the attic, and he's like. Yeah, I'm busy. It's not like she's gonna find anything huge or earth shattering in the old attic. box in the attic anyway. What's the worst thing? Yeah, that this, this is where I wanna punch him in the head. For a man who's so smart, he is stupid. In this fic, in this fic, he's just a little bit incompetent. He's just kinda like shrugs his shoulder and is like, I don't know. Does his own thing. <laughs> he's like, no, he's got, got all his paperwork that he was ignoring before that's now piled up to the rafters. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. He has to deal with the roads now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they have who's watching the little brat that he had to yeah. carry up screaming. And can you see this? So here's Hagrid, great big strapping Hagrid, and he's got Dudley kind of round the waist, and his hands kind of on his hip, and, and Dudley's just kind of dangling there, and he's marching back up, and the little key's just kicking and screaming, and I'd have, I'd have stopped and swatted him one if I was Hagrid, but I'm sure Hagrid didn't do that, and, you know, drags well, Hagrid's him hand would cover half of Dudley at this point, so, you know... <laughs> Ah, oh, well, there you go. He thought Marge giving him a spanking was bad. That'd be a good thing for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hagrid is a, a little more subtle, uh, quite subtle for Hagrid. Yeah, so uh, Gee, uh, I think I better teach you some manners, you know, uh, being rude to the wrong people's good way of getting yourself killed. Uh, I knew a guy got his throat torn out for uh, not accepting someone's hospitality, and Dudley's like, eh, okay, I'll eat this too. <laughs> <laughs> And it's got, you know, poor Dudley, you know he's torn because it's like food, but it's not what he's expecting and it's not what he's used to, but it's food. So do I eat it or do I complain about it or yeah. So, but I, I do love well, Hagrid in this. We know, we know from canon that Hagrid's a bad cook mm-hmm. with his rock cakes. So. <laughs> and his shoes with talons in it. <clears throat> That's delicious. Okay, I have a com- I might complain too about that. <laughs> that might be just cruel and unusual punishment. I don't know if anybody deserves that. <laughs> Uh, you never know. Maybe he's just particularly bad at rock cake. Yeah. He could have some other stuff he got, right? He's a really he good feed himself up, uh, after all. I mean, yeah. it's not hard to put anything in a crock pot. Yeah, I but they see. don't plug in in, Wizard, in Hagrid's cabin, so it doesn't work for him. I could see Hagrid as being really good at grilling things. Grilling things. Maybe he's like a barbecue master. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Now I have the vision of Robbie Coltrane with all his bling. <laughs> a big old barbecue with his little spatula and his, and his hot dogs. <laughs> the summer staff party at Hogwarts. Just In front of a barbecue, barbecue, he put his little apron on. Over his apron shirt. that says, kiss the chef or whatever. <laughs> great. Kiss the chef. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, I raised dragon. <laughs> I need to go. I want a dragon. I use dragon power. <laughs> Can you see him? He's in his shorts with his his socks pulled up to his knees and his little sandals on. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, my. 
I don't know if that's quite the same in England as it is in the States. No, probably not. <laughs> so, but Harry and Marge, on the other hand, have Remus to cook for them. And apparently so not. Remus is a better cook. <laughs> and, I imagine. And uh, Rita... She only does a fry-up. He does what, Trisha? She only does a fry-up. A fry-up? That sounds yeah. good. Yeah, she knows that. That's what she always does. What Mark said in book three. Generally, she just has a fry-up of an evening because she's too busy looking up from the dog. It's going to have a call day. But Rita has hit pay dirt. She has. Yes. She found something very interesting about the origins of Petunia Dursley. A certain thing of timing between the wedding certificate and the birth certificate. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You know, those first babies, they they don't, you know, have to cook a whole nine months. They, they don't, sometimes they cook a little shorter than that. Usually <laughs> totally. a little longer, honey. Oh, is that it? Yeah, they cook a little longer. I was trying to remember uh, Kelly's term for it, but I can't quite remember it off the top of my head. So. I'll have to ask her if she comes. Yeah. It doesn't always happen. It does happen. I mean, nine times out of ten, they usually cook a little longer. Mm-hmm. But there are times that they do cook. Pretty early. Cook less. Yeah. Oh, yes. But uh, just a little sneak peek into next week's chapters. Um, in this case, the time gap is five and a half months. That's a little short, even if you're going to be. Yeah, that is. And let's see. There's uh, some letters from Lily to her folks that seems. So in one box, she's just found enough to do a whole series of articles, and she hasn't even, you know, finished searching half the boxes in the attic. So she she's hit pay dirt, and she's one happy little beetle. Yeah. She might just have to thank the mysterious writer right before she uh, tears him to shreds. <laughs> Yeah, if he hadn't replaced that article, she might still be concentrating on that Dursley man, the Muggle chump. But yeah, now she's now she almost got a book out of this. Yeah, she's planning ahead as our Rita. She she is a opportunist. She is that. That's true. So I like this. It's interesting to see where it's going. I love the fact that. Uh, Marge has done this 180 and now likes Harry and doesn't so much like Dudley. I love that Hagrid has him and he's supposed to tame him like a wild beast. I think Hagrid would do better with the dragons, but that's just me. And, you know, there, there are parts of this that are somewhat implausible or, you know, some, it's, as Death Row would say, the plot says so, you know, that yeah. Kingsley was the, happened to be the police officer on duty, that type of stuff. But I love her ideas. And like you guys said, I love the fact, I, I would have loved it to go more because there yeah. are some really intriguing ideas here and it would be fun to see them flushed out. Right. So... But this is what we have, and I liked it well enough to put it on as our first story of the new season. They are short, they're short chapters. Yeah. So we're doing just a little bit, but we're easing our way back into the, the long stuff. So I thought this was a good way to start. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're not it, overwhelming it's a each fun other. Pick. It is fun, and we aren't overwhelmed. It is. And everybody went silent. Oh, I need everybody to quiet. Sorry. Okay, Trisha should go, and then Jenny can go. I don't know. I was just wondering why everybody went quiet there. Okay. You don't have anything to say about it? I'm good. No, I mean, no, you hit the nail right on the head. I just wish it was, I mean, there's some things I wanted to, I want to be expanded, but it, it, 
just so it leaves enough to imagination that you can expand it yourself in your head. Mm-hmm. And, and similarly, that's more that's that's harder writing harder writing than anything else. That's true. Very true. Jenny, did you have something? Well, well I forgot what I was originally going to say, but I'll say something else instead. <laughs> okay. I figure if like one of your complaints is that there's not a, not enough. Like if you're still wanting more, then that's a good sign that it's a well-written fix. If you're still wanting more, yeah, that's true. Yeah, better that than why didn't they quit twenty chapters ago? <laughs> yeah, when it drags on too long, that gets so annoying. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Scott? I think mostly we've covered all the main points. I enjoy it. It's, uh, it's great fun. It, it could certainly use some expanding. There's there's some places where it's a little bit awkwardly written, but I've, I've noticed that less this um, this week than in the first little section of chapters, so it looks like she's sort of smoothed most of that out as, as it goes. I love the, um, the squib network and the Ralph the typesetter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know why, but I totally missed that. I mean, I understand it now, and it makes more sense. But I was just kind of like, where the hell did that go? <laughs> I kind of wonder, did, did Ralph end up getting fired for that after all? or Because presumably the did editor would also notice that it Ralph? wasn't Rita's original story. Well, but um, I don't know. Did, well, well, did he do it in such a way that they knew it was Ralph? Like, could it be traced back to him? I'm very worried. I like Ralph. <laughs> well, the typesetter, he could play dumb and just say, you know, this is the copy I got. Somebody must have changed it before it came to me. Or he could say, you know, that he was obliviated or something like that. But he is going to be one of the culprits because he is ultimately the one that typeset it. So uh, he's the one that wrote it. Mm-hmm. Well, he's kind of lucky then that Rita Skeeter, like, claimed it as her own. She's like, yes, I will have this. Right. She liked it, so I guess he's lucky in that way. And I think he's lucky that she's distracted by the story and hasn't actually spent some time thinking, well, now, who could have slipped this in here? Oh, let's go talk to the typesetter, because I have a mm-hmm. feeling that, you know, if... She'd probably get it out of him. Yeah, I think she would. I do think yeah. she would. So yeah, it's got to be a whole thick in itself, just going into the um, some of these side characters and such. Like, does his brother ever go on to uh, write books for himself or all of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just sort of like a fun, funny spawn off this fic. Yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the spawn of plot bunnies. <laughs> The spawn of plot buddies, plot, uh, mm-hmm. potholes, and something else. That's like a good title to me. And, 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 and no, we won't go there. We won't go there again. <laughs> and Hagrid's sex life. <laughs> oh, dear. That's kind of scary.
tell some take on the deputies. <laughs> you know what? I want to hear the support group meetings of the Swoop Network. <laughs> yeah. I tried those quick spell courses the other week, but nothing's happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining it more like, like AA. Hi, my name is Ralph, I'm- and I'm a squib. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ralph. I've been a squib. I have been a squib all my life for 30-some years. Yeah. It doesn't quite work out the same way as AA that way. It's not like it's no. something they, they can give up or anything. I tried to do magic, and I failed. It just doesn't work. This <laughs> is what Neville had the little to. community. Yeah. <laughs> if he had, had like, Uncle Al strong the road. Yeah. Oh, it could be the support meeting of all with AA. It could be all. It could be all the support meeting. Yes, I was thrown off a bridge, and I did not fall. Like his grandma was hastily leaving out pamphlets for Squib Squib AA, so he knew where to go. Yeah. If he didn't. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> they have a bulletin board where they have put up all the jobs and things that they have around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, you know, they're all janitors. I, just... I'm able to do magic? Take a number. Yeah. It'd be great. And yeah. the success story Thanks. would be our author's, author's cousin who's a, he's an accountant. <laughs> 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 Even though they don't talk about him anymore. Yeah, the Weasleys don't talk about him anymore, but the, the supports group, they, that's their hero. <laughs> yeah, totally. He made something out of himself. <laughs> yeah, Ralph's probably pretty far off the heap. You know, he's a typesetter, he's not a janitor. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Everybody looks up to Ralph. Ralph is a sponsor now. <laughs> <laughs> but Phil just... You know, he, he may be a janitor, but he's a janitor at Hogwarts, so that's that's a step up too, because you know that's a big place for him to be taken care of, mm-hmm. especially with no magic. <laughs> Although the janitor at Florian Fortescue's is kind of happy he's got that job instead, because you know, free ice cream every now and then, hardly have to clean the floors at all. And, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Ice cream on the floor. Uh, He's probably doing a lot of mopping. It's only a little shot. The the ice cream more than makes up for it. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I have a friend. He used to be an ice cream guy at Thrifty. And he was on his break one day, and he'd found a a little monster arm. Somebody had broken a little toy, and there was a monster arm there. So he, he put his jacket on over his vest so people didn't know he worked there. And he put the arm sticking out of two scoops of ice cream, and he was sitting at the table eating it. And people are like, what are you eating? And he's like, oh, new flavor, monster ice cream. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I can tell <laughs> that <laughs> ice cream shop in the Wizarding Except World. In, it would actually Yeah, that really would be a monster ice cream. Yeah. Got to make sure you keep the lid on when you're not eating it or it'll get out. (laughs) Um, Your stomach, it starts fighting and wrestling, and then, you you know, you're you're about to Uh, weak. That sounds like a Weasley, Weasley, Weasley thing. Yeah. 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 Invented by the same guy who did the Monster Book of Monsters. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I don't think I want that ice cream. (laughs) He might get a good workout out of the line. (laughs) 
you dropping in i'm sorry that we made you take the wrong bus last week (laughs) that's okay that was that was my own fault i got too excited i was like i might get on the podcast this is great and then like you know i'm reading my book on the bus and i look up i'm like i have no idea where i am (laughs) that's never (laughs) that's happened to me a couple times yeah drive over them, they could expand and swallow the car, or... Australia. I, I know all about this flitting <laughs> stuff. Uh huh. Uh huh. I read Kez's story. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I like Kez's story. I like I the too. Australia part. I, I love the Australia part. I was just listening well, to like, those I, I was reading it. I'm like, oh, I've been to that place. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And and mm. Kez just had great, you know, because I just listened to the first two podcasts and the Family Jewels. Uh, Master, master <laughs> thing. It's, it's one of the better things that I've heard. So, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we're bad, but we should probably say good night and close this thing. Up. <laughs> we probably should. And, uh, okay. So, well, we hope that you all enjoyed our coverage of these chapters of my nephew Harry, and we will finish this out next time. I apologize for Hagrid. Only four chapters left. (laughs) (laughs) We'll say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone. So, oh, 
hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.